MeanHaunts365.com, the podcast. I'm Jaren. This is Terry. Hello. How are you? We, I yelled at her and told her she had to speak up for this. All right, so we got some opening news again. We're going to play a little video from our friends at Horror 365. We have a Friday the 13th mini convention coming up located at the Blairstown Diner in Blairstown, New Jersey. Website for tickets is F13, as in Friday the 13th, minicon.eventbrite.com. The convention runs May 13th and May 14th, presented by Horror 365. They have some pretty cool guests announced, so make sure you head over to the Facebook page and see what they have, and head over to Eventbrite to get your tickets, because they're going to go quick. They're selling pretty good right now. Sounds like a good time. Yep, so let's watch the uh, video here. Save the date, Friday the 13th, May 2022, the only Friday the 13th of the year. Yours truly, Jimmy J, and the Horror 365 team are coming back to Blairstown. And for what? The first ever Friday the 13th Minicon, all hosted by the Blairstown Diner. Guys, girls, Horrors, tickets are on sale next Thursday, January 13th. Stay tuned. More announcements are coming your way for another killer time in Blairstown. We'll see you there. All right. So that's Jimmy from Horror365.com. Jimmy J, another great commercial. I know we saw it last week, but we got to soup these guys up. Got to sell this out. I wish we were going, but... It's our honeymoon. Yes, we're finally taking it. Yep. So we also have more haunt news coming up. Valentine's Day, or Valentine's Slay at Brighton Asylum, is February 11th through the 12th. Ticket booth opens at 7.30 and shuts at 9.30. I'd get there early. We've had better success getting right in if you get there early. Yes, definitely. So let's take a look at that ad. asylum remember february 11th and 12th ticket booths open at 7 30 and you can also buy your tickets online at brightonasylum.com one last news before we get into our review field of screams is having the valentine's day haunt on february 12th the parking lot opens at 5 30 so that's what time we would normally get there because i like to go take pictures <laughs> <laughs> ticket booth opens at six Make sure you get there early, because they will stop selling tickets at a certain time. Let's check out that video, and now. Alright, feel the screens with their cool little video. That wraps up our uh, haunt news. You got any haunt news for us? 
No, but we should try and go to uh, Brighton if we can. It'd be fun to do. Super Bowl weekend, right? Well, it's on Saturday. Because <laughs> we're not going to be incredibly busy on Saturday. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, as you can tell by the thumbnail behind us and the thumbnail you quick, we are going to deep dive into Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. This is where I would show you the trailer, but uh, I did some homework on copyright infringement, and we probably shouldn't show you the trailer anymore. <laughs> for uh, haunts, we'll be fine. We can play tons of videos and all that, so for the haunt reviews, this will work out a lot better. I probably even shouldn't have this in the JPEG, but it's blocked, so they'll be fine. But the trailer just really just explains the movie. Yes. I mean, that sounds does. like a Perd Hartley from Perks and Rec, but that's really what it does. So, what are your first thoughts before we go through the plot? It was a good movie. It was a good movie? It was a good movie. <laughs> All right. So, we'll hop into the plot. Right here. Ten years ago, after the previous film, Freddy Krueger has returned and killed nearly every child and teenager in the town of Spring, Springwood, Ohio. The only surviving teenager, John Doe, is confronted by Freddy in a dream. John wakes up just outside the Springwood city limits due to a head injury. He does not remember who he is or why he's there. Just remembers it was a bad place. John was one of my weakest actors. I wasn't a real, real fan of him. At a shelter for troubled youth, three of the residents, Spencer, an affluent stoner who was resisting his dad's attempt to get him to conform, Carlos, a troubled kid who was physically abused by his mother to the point of becoming deaf in one ear, and Tracy, a tough girl who was sexually abused by her father, plot to run away to California. The police find John and take him to the shelter, where he becomes a patient of Dr. Maggie Burroughs. Maggie notices a newspaper clipping from Springwood in John's pocket. To attempt to cure John's amnesia, she plans a road trip to Springwood. In an attempt to run away, Tracy, Carlos, and Spencer stow away in the van, but they are discovered when John has a hallucination and almost wrecks the van just outside of Springwood. I don't know if it was a hallucination or a dream, remember? Dream? This is all from Wikipedia, so I like to make fun of their plot. It was definitely a dream. Yeah. Tracy, Spencer, and Carlos try to leave Springwood, but first rest at a nearby abandoned house. The house is 1428 Elm Street, Freddy Krueger's former home. John and, no, Nancy Thompson's former home. Yes, it yeah, was Nancy's. John and Maggie visit the Springwood Orphanage and discover that Freddy had a child. John believes he is that child, because Freddy allowed him to live. Back on Elm Street, Carlos and Spencer fall asleep and are killed by Freddy. One kill was pretty cool. Well, they were both pretty cool. I like the video good. game one, and I like the ear, because Freddy's messing with them. I love when Freddy's picking on people. Even though Spencer's boingy boingy was kind of annoying and not needed. Because they could have just kept it in the video game world. Yes. But they were trying to break that fourth wall. Carlos is sponsored for, yep. Tracy is almost killed, but is awakened by Maggie. John, who went into the dream world with Tracy to try to help Spencer, is still asleep. 
Maggie and Tracy take John back to the shelter. On their way back, Kruger attacks John in his dream. Before killing John, Kruger reveals that his child is a girl. It's not a boy. He was bad. (laughs) As John dies, he tells this to Maggie, Tracy. And Maggie return to the shelter, but they find that no one remembers John, Spencer, or Carlos, except for Doc, who has learned to control his dreams. Maggie finds her adoption papers and realizes that she is, in fact, Freddy's daughter. Her birth name was Catherine Kruger, but her name was changed to Maggie Burroughs when her father was arrested and subsequently murdered. Doc discovers that Freddy's powers come from the dream demons who continually revive him, and that Freddy can be killed if he is pulled into the real world. Maggie decides that she will be the one to enter Freddy's mind and pull him into the real world. Once in the dream world, she puts on a pair of 3D glasses and enters Freddy's mind. In his mind, she learns that Freddy was teased as a child. Well, I'd be teased too if I was killing hamsters. He was abused by his foster father. Yeah. Yeah. Inflicted self-abuse as a teenager and murdered his wife. Freddy was given the power to become immortal by fiery demons. Maggie struggles to pull Freddy into the real world, but eventually succeeds. Maggie and Freddy end up in hand-to-hand combat against each other. She uses several weapons compensated from the patients at the shelter. Patients? They're kids in a shelter. How are they patients? Anyway... Enraged by the knowledge of Well, what... they're her patients because she yeah, was... Yeah, that's true. She is a doctor. She is a doctor and... I don't know. They're just troubled youth. They're not like an insane asylum or anything. No, but still, they're still patients. <sighs> okay. We'll, we'll, we'll keep patience. Enraged by the knowledge of what he has done, Maggie tears off Freddy's clawed glove and stabs him through the stomach with it embedding the gloves' claws into a steel support beam and leaving Freddy suspended above the ground. Um, I'm pretty sure that was made out of wood, but we can continue. Tracy tosses Maggie a pipe bomb which she throws into Freddy's chest. The three dream demons, unable to revive him in the real world, fly out of Freddy if their pipe bomb kills him. Tracy, Doc, and Maggie rejoice as the latter triumphantly declare Freddy's dead. Alright. So. Freddy's dead. Was directed by Rachel Talloway. Which you've heard her name through all of these podcasts. Because she was involved with every movie. It's pretty interesting. Yep. So they led her to direct the last one. Uh, it released on September 13th, 1991. That's also known as Freddy Day in Hollywood. They made a whole day of Oh, really? It. Yep. They even had a funeral for him back in 93. Like crap. Or 91. It was a 4.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 22% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 39% on Metacritic. So it didn't score that well, but I enjoyed this movie because of the backstory. I was just going to say that. The backstory, how it tied everything in. Yep. Um, so, let's go through the cast real quick. Lisa Zane as Maggie Burrows. Most of you guys will realize that Lisa Zane is the sister of Billy Zane from My Heart Will Go On. 
Oh, interesting. And the mummy, yeah. Yes. Yep. Freddy's Dead was Zane's first major film role after acting in supporting parts in several previous films and TV appearances. Cassandra Rachel Friel as young Maggie, the little girl, Catherine Krueger. Robert Englund, yes. of course, the man, the myth, the legend. Give us a call. Love to talk to you. Freddy's Dead was the sixth outing for England as the character Freddy Krueger. Krueger's makeup was refined again by John Carl Buschler, returning after an absence from the previous film. England would later, later recall not being as satisfied with the makeup compared to previous film. I'm on the opposite end. I liked his makeup best in this movie. I do too. Toby Sexton as teenage Freddy Krueger. Chase Schrimmer as young Freddy Krueger. Yafet Kodo, rest in peace, as Doc. By here, he was a veteran of film and television. I really remembered him most in Homicide, Life on the Streets. Leslie Dean as Tracy Swan. Dean had already auditioned for roles in the previous two films and had acted for Robert England when he directed 976 Evil the previous year. I saw that once a long time ago. I remember it being okay. Never saw it. We should revisit it. Never saw it. The character of Tracy was written to be an abuse victim, and during filming of some flashback scenes, Dean herself realized she had repressed memory of similar abuse. That would suck. Come up with repressed when you're on set. Yes. Not terrible. She would later quit, quit acting and become the lead singer of the rock group Scary Cherry and the Bang Bang. Can't say I've heard any of them. <laughs> Never heard of them either. Sean Greenblatt as John Doe. Director Rachel Talley recalled in the 2010 documentary, Never Sleep Again, that the role of John Doe was the hardest to cast. Well, she fucked it up. I'll be honest. He was terrible. Because everyone else was good. You like John? He, no, I'm not saying I liked him and I don't I don't dislike him. I mean, could it have been better? Yes. It's a review. you got to be... Hard. No in-between. But gray. I'm just saying, he, could it have been better? Yes, it could be better. I think it could have been better. He was annoying. <laughs> Greenblatt was nearly in his mid-twenties when he was cast as a teenager. He was later required to shave his chest for the scene where his shirt transformations into a parachute before being killed landing on a bed of spikes placed by Freddy. John Doe was deliberately written as a red herring and initially thought to be Freddy's son. And that worked, because you did think it was about him. Yes. They pulled a little swap, like um, an upcoming movie, Scream. Yes, they did. Because you thought yes. What's-Her-Face would be the final girl, and yes. it was not Drew Barrymore. Breckenmeyer as Spencer Lewis. Spencer is another character at the shelter who had strained relationship with his father and is ultimately killed after being sucked into a video game by Freddy. You forgot about the power glove. It may be corny, but I'm getting one of those gloves. <laughs> it's cool as shit. It was cool. Like several of the cast, Freddy's... Yeah. Well, we'll just do one for every movie. <laughs> Freddy's Dead was Meyer's first starring role, and he would later find the fame in the 90s with roles in Clueless and The Craft. And we can't forget about Road Trip. You ever saw Road Trip? I saw bits and pieces of it. 
You guys see what I'm dealing with. <laughs> All right, moving on. Ricky Dean Logan as Carlos Rodriguez, along with Tracy and Spencer. Carlos is keen to escape the shelter and wears a hearing aid after abuse from his mother rendering him part deaf. Carlos is killed after Freddy restores his hearing and makes it ultra-sensitive to noise before scraping his claws on a blackboard, causing his head to explode. That gives me chills. Ricky Dean Logan originally auditioned for John Doe, yet later realized he was better suited for the role of Carlos. Lindsay Fields played Loretta Kruger, Freddie's wife. Johnny Depp had a cameo. He was the guy in the TV talking about, this is your brain on drugs. Yes, like that commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Depp had worked with director Tavalay the previous year on John Waters' Crybaby and made a cameo as part of a fake anti-drug message with Spencer sees why he's smoking the marijuana. (laughs) Tom Arnold had a cameo as a childless man next to Roseanne Barr who had a cameo. Alex Cooper had a cameo. Well, I think it was more than a cameo because he played Freddy's adopted dad. Yes. Orphan, yeah. Eleanor Donahue as the orphanage woman and again Robert Shea as the ticket seller. This time he actually um, had a line. Yes, he did talk. Yeah. He did pretty good too. I was happy with it. Alright, do we want to do our scores before we get into development? Sure. Let's do it. Alright, let's get to our scores. For the cast, I am giving it four stars. Because everyone really held up except for John Doe. There was times I didn't really like Breckenmeyer either. But, I mean, Robert did good. Did great. It's the funniest Freddy there is. It's one of my favorite Freddies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fear Factor. We're going to three. It had a couple quick jump scares that could get the normal person. It was more funny than scary. But still, I mean, the the part with... One of my favorite parts was the one with Tracy and her dad. That was enough to jump this up to three because it's a fucked up situation. And to bring that back in a dream nightmare. Yes. Plot. I'm going to go five stars. It all made sense. It tied it all together. That was a good way to bring Freddy back. I mean, the dream demons, whatever. You had to explain how he could get in the dream somehow. Exactly. And I, I liked I, how they did it. I think you were we were good on that. Yep. Score, only a four. This didn't rock out. It had the best opening I've ever seen out of a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I wish I could show you, but we don't want to be demonetized already. But it really is a kick-ass song by the Goo Goo Dolls. There's two red quotes, one from Edgar Allan Poe and one from Freddy Krueger. So if you have the DVD or if it's still on HBO, just stream it because it's really good. Special effects, I'm going to go with four. A lot of good stuff in here. Except... When Spencer falls into that hole and he's doing the boing, 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 like, there's no need for that. Yeah, I just thought, I thought that part was funny, and I actually laughed, and I, I still laughed every time I say it. I know. It, it could have easily just been kept in the video game, and that was good enough. All right. Overall, the math brings us to a four. Four overall for Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. 
Yes. That's correct. Let's get the development before we go over our three favorite scenes here. <laughs> All right. So. Development. The previous five installments of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise had considerably helped the finances of New Line Cinema that it entered the, earned the nickname The House That Freddy Built. But the studio had also begun to develop other franchises, for example, Critters, and by 1990, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is still the highest grossing independent movie ever made. Because that movie kicked ass, and I still watch it. Yes, me too. (laughs) Bob Shea recalled in the Never Sleep Again documentary in 2010 that, frankly, it was time to move on, and we had other projects we wanted to focus on. The decision was made to make the sixth entry the final film in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Director Rachel Talalay had produced most of the previous installments and was keen to helm the sixth film as the director. She also had a number of ideas that would help refresh the series, including not calling the title Nightmare on Elm Street Part 6, and incorporating more humor into this entry, which she felt was lacking from the previous film. And it was, because it was too gothic. It was too gothic for him to have his one-liners. So this, added a comedy to it, made the right. one-liners work better. Exactly. Yeah. The production of Freddy's Dead coincided with the original airing of Twin Peaks, which was later acknowledged as an influence on the film with its more surreal, humorous aspects. Elements of this can be seen throughout the film, including Freddy using a version of the Nintendo Power Glove to control Spencer's character and dragging a bed of spikes to impale John Doe in a manner reminiscent of a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Yes, because he reminds me of the Roadrunner. When he's pushing out that. Yeah. And then you have the Wizard of Oz. They had a lot of funny stuff. But I'll tell you what, Freddy's power glove worked a hell of a lot better than Nintendo's. <laughs> I think it never fucking worked. <laughs> Can't say I played it. In the original script, 15 year old Jacob Johnson, son of the previous installment's main character, Alice, is the major character. Oh, that could have been interesting. And many of the Dream Warriors from A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, return to aid Jacob in defeating Freddy after he kills Alice. Ah, son comes back for revenge. That would have been really cool. This idea was later discarded. Peter Jackson, who wrote King Kong, Lord of the Rings, well, didn't write it, but directed, also wrote a screenplay that was not used. His story was about teenagers who did not see Freddy as a threat and took sleeping pills to enter Freddy's world to fuck with him. Jackson's script also included a police officer put into a comatose state to permanently be in Freddy's realm. Weird. Yeah, I don't think that would have been... No. John Carl Buechler was the chief special makeup artist of effects artist for the film. Returning to the series after serving the same role in A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. He also contributed to the film's 3D Freddy Vision Climax. Now, I watched this 3D in the theaters. I didn't see shit. I have the DVD with the 3D glasses. Couldn't see shit. So I don't know. There was, that's why they were doing weird shit with the weapons when they were handed it to Maggie to try right. and throw. 3D needs to just stop. It tried in the 80s, it tried in the 90s, it tried in the 2000s, and it tried in the 2010s. And it's still doing it. Like, right. Like, the last thing we heard was the Transformers movie, which looked cool in 3D, but 
But then they just stop because it doesn't make any money. Just stop with the fucking 3D. The last 10 minutes of the film are in 3D. To cue the audience to put on their 3D glasses, which I actually have a set of the original with the house party coupon still on it. <laughs> Those are hard to come by. It still has the coupon on it. Yes, I, I know. You were there when I found it. Yes. Maggie is seen to put on her 3D glasses in the film. The effect was eliminated for the VHS and television release, with the exception of the UK and French rental version and the US laser disc version. The DVD box set released in 99 reinstated the 3D effect and included two pairs of 3D glasses and never sleep again. I believe I still have them in that box. You probably do. Rachel Talalay revealed that whilst the film was being processed in 3D, the lab developing the print accidentally sent them a two-second clip from the then-unreleased Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> editing. Unlike its predecessor, there was relatively little editing of violent sequences as mandated by the MPAA. In the 2010 documentary, Never Sleep Again, Director Rachel Talalay noted that the original cut of the film was long, and as a result, several sequences were removed, were significantly shortened. They took 47 minutes out of that film? That would be the longest film. That put it right about 2 hours and 37 minutes. It's a long movie. That is a long movie. <laughs> but I would have been alright. It's like a Marvel movie. Yeah, well, the new Batman's pushing 3 hours, I hear. It's alright. The work print for Freddy's Dead is available online and includes much of the deleted material. This includes Maggie discussing her nightmares with her mother. Oh, I gotta find this. More dialogue between Doc and Tracy, additional footage of the Springwood Fair, and the discovery of Freddy's basement lair, which was one of my favorite scenes when the little girl's walking through his yes. claw shop. Awesome. Rachel Talley suggested the reason the footage was removed was so the audience could get to Freddy quicker. Some of the more disturbing elements of John's first nightmare were also trimmed down. Marketing, like I noticed earlier, is a publicity stunt for both Freddy's Dead and the comic storylines that were still being released around the film's cinematic release. New Line Cinema held a mock funeral for Freddy Krueger at Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Los Angeles including attendants from the film such as Alice Cooper, Leslie Dean, Sean Greenblatt, Ricky Dean Logan, Brandon Meyer, Toby Sexton, Lisa Zane, Lisa Wilcox came, and Whit Hertford. Andy Mangels and Rachel Talley were among others present. On encouragement by New Line Cinema, the Los Angeles mayor at the time, Tom Bradley, declared 7th, September 13th to be Freddy Krueger Day. But this move was heavily criticized for glorifying a mass murder. With Robert England added that we have to celebrate crime reality from movie escapism. Yes, thank you, Robert. See, that's like um, Breaking Bad. When he passed away, they did a whole big thing. Yeah. <laughs> Box office: Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare made twelve point nine million in its opening weekend which was the highest opening weekend of the series until the release of Freddy vs. Jason. And the biggest September opening at the time, ranking number one at the box office. And its second weekend, it made $6.6 million and remained in the top spot before falling to number seven in its third weekend. After its initial run, the film grossed $34.9 mil in the United States and Canada, making it the fifth highest grossing in the series. 
Reviews were up and down, like we went over the um, scoring from IMDb and everything earlier. The This had a great soundtrack. I really wish I could play these for you. But uh, Goo Goo Dolls, I'm Awake Now is the opening line. It was pretty fun. Really like that song. Uh, the budget was 9 to 11 million, so I'll call it 11 million, and it made 34.9 million. So it tripled its money. That's awesome. Yep, horror, horror. but yet the, they get no Oscar I was love. I say that. <laughs> no Oscar love. It makes all this fucking money for you, douchebags. All right, let's go to our favorite scenes real quick. All right, like I said, the intro credits are my favorite scene. I've never been so hyped to watch a movie from after the intro scene than this one. Like I said, the Goo Goo Dolls, the names popping up on the screen, and then... Um, the two quotes. Like, I really, I really wanted to be able to put that on here, but soon enough. Um, John's death scene. I like that. Grounded! As he cuts him off the parachute because he thinks it's his kid. But I love the effect of the blood spurting out of the holes. That was a great effect. Yes. That was probably the best effect of the movie. And then my favorite of all of it is the end credits. As it's playing the song... From Iggy Pop. And it goes on to say, Freddy's dead. It shows highlights from all the movies until the credits. That's my favorite scene. It was pretty cool. Because it kind of wraps everything up. And I like the opening scene. Yeah, it's kick-ass, that opening scene. That's one of my favorite opening scenes. It's crazy. So good. So, let's move on to... Some fun facts. Are you ready for fun facts? I like fun facts. Fun facts are fun. Even though we probably already said most of these, but that doesn't matter, does it? I don't think so. Not either. Alright, fun facts. Uh, it is the first film in the franchise to not include the little girl's jumping rope. Now that you say that, and thinking back. That's crazy. Uh-huh. It's, I wonder why they didn't do that. I don't know. I think they were trying to get away from the... Maybe that was a Nightmare on Elm Street thing and this is Freddy's dead. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. This is New Line Cinema's first film in 3D. Some of it was in 3D, but... <laughs> According to Alice Cooper in Never Sleep Again, the Elm Street legacy, he stated that he gets asked to be in films all the time. But they always ask, want him to be in makeup as his on-stage persona. He agreed to be in this film not only because he was a fan of the franchise, but also if he could be a character as Freddy's father without the Alice Cooper look. Pretty crazy. That is crazy. The, a lot of this we already went through. That we already did. They did not have Nintendo's permission to mock the Power Glove. I wonder how much trouble they got into. Uh, who knows? No Nintendo, probably a lot. They're a bunch of assholes. <laughs> what? They are. Every time they release something handheld, they change the charger. It's just like Apple. At least Apple held the lightning cable for a while. Yeah. When shown theatrically, audience members were given one pair of red cardboard 3D glasses with movie taglines printed on it. 
The inside arms had adhesives for attaching the standard glasses. An advertisement for House Party 2 was printed on the side of one arm. I had them. I knew you do. I was so happy when I found that, guys. You have no idea. We were in a random-ass toy store in this little hobunkin' town, and he had it in his block bag. I was like, how much? And I didn't even care what he said because I was buying them. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember what we paid for it. Not important. Um, this is the first Nightmare on Elm Street film not to end on a cliffhanger. Um, one did, two did, three did, four did not. He was dead. How's that a cliffhanger? At five, he was dead too. When Freddy punches Tracy in the face during their epic fight, Robert Englund really punched Leslie. Oh my god. (laughs) Wow. I can't imagine the bloopers. Oh, I know. That's crazy. Although this movie is said to be the final installment of Nightmare on Elm Street, of course, Robert England would return as the iconic horror villain again for New Nightmare, which will be our next movie, and play the role one last time in Freddy vs. Jason. Alice Cooper, who has the uncredited role as Freddy's father, previously co-wrote and performed the theme song for Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. Both that film and this film are the six films in the respective franchise. Yeah, he sang uh, Man Behind the Mask, I believe. I think that was the name of that song. I don't remember. I don't remember either. The director, Rachel Talley, got really sick toward the end of the filming schedule. They couldn't delay production to wait for her recovery. According to Sean Greenblatt, Aaron Warner actually directed the last several hours of filming the movie, including the final scene between Freddy and John Doe. I'm sure she was pissed about that. That's messed up. Rachel Talley is the only woman to direct a film in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. The video game system that Freddy Krueger plays is similar to the NES, which featured the Nightmare on Elm Street video game. That's true. The game was hard and made no sense. <laughs> it did. Two nods to Nintendo. Freddy's line, now I'm playing with power is a variation on Nintendo's Now You're Playing With Power ad campaign, which was primarily out of use by 91. It was. It was the early, it was later 80s. The NES was fading out of popularity. Also, Freddy's glove controller, you forgot the power glove, is a heavily modified version of Nintendo's controller of the same name, which was new at the time, and a massive piece of shit. <laughs> This is the second movie in the franchise which Freddy drives a bus. Alright, well, you know, that's all we got for the fun facts. Well, a lot of these we already went over. Pretty fun stuff going on. Pretty cool. So that wraps up our review of Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. 
We just got done watching Wes Craven's New Nightmare, and we really enjoyed it. I haven't watched it in a few years, and I think it might be my new favorite. It was good. It was good. It was really good. Well, that's all we got for you today at Halloween Haunts 365.com, the podcast where every day is haunt season. Goodbye. Bye.